The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPL General. The end of the international break is in sight, thankfully. The Game Week 8 deadline is on Saturday at 11am UK time. It's only a few days until we are cursing clean sheet wipeouts again. The manager press conferences on Thursday and Friday will be key to our decisions this week, with players returning from trips around the world. A few players have been yellow flagged, players like Lukaku and Rüdiger. Hopefully they're just phantom international break injuries and they'll be okay for the weekend. We also need an update on the fitness of Trent Alexander-Arnold. On today's episode, I'll run through the Game Week 7 headlines and shoutouts, do a quick Game Week review. My wildcard is active, so I'm going to talk you through my wildcard watch list, answer Twitter questions, discuss Game Week 8 captaincy and then reveal my latest wildcard draft. There will be another Athletic FPL podcast on Friday, so make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening for that one. And if you'd like to become an Athletic subscriber, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod, where you'll get 33% off an annual subscription. And in doing so, you'll get ad-free versions of this podcast. Game week 7 feels like a long time ago now, so here is a reminder of the headlines from that weekend. Cristiano Ronaldo was benched by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for the 1-1 draw with Everton. He came on to play just 33 minutes for a measly one-pointer. Chelsea's Thomas Tuchel rang the changes for their game at home to Southampton, which the Blues won 3-1. Like Ronaldo, Lukaku blanked, but Azpilicueta got two assists, while Ben Chilwell got himself a goal. The Ward-Prowse red card changed the game. Leeds recorded a 1-0 win over Watford in what was to be Cesco Munoz's last game in charge of the Hornets. Claudio Ranieri has taken over, so it'll be interesting to see what impact he has there. At Wolves, Raul Jimenez provided two assists for Huang to get a brace for Wolves as they beat Newcastle 2-1. The Newcastle takeover finally went through during the break as well, so we'll all probably have triple magpies in our FPL team next season. Brighton and Arsenal played out a 0-0 draw at the Amex. Crystal Palace fought back from a 2-0 deficit to get a point against Leicester. Hyungmin's son got two assists for Tottenham in their 2-1 win over Aston Villa to stake his claim for a place in Game Week 8 wildcard squads. I'll talk about him later. Out of position midfielder Brian Mbumo scored his second goal of the season as Brentford beat West Ham at the London Stadium. Another impressive performance and result from the Bees. And finally, Liverpool and Manchester City finished 2-2. The second half of that game was superb. The goal scorers Salah Mane Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden. Salah is averaging 10 points per game. He is on another level this year. Shoutouts for Game Week 7. We have two new members to the 59th Minute Club. Welcome Aaron Lennon from Burnley and Hamza Shoudry from Leicester. I love that Shoudry's first appearance of the season resulted in a 59th minute substitution. Notable players who were substituted early in that game week, Odegaard 63 minutes, Grealish 66, Jota 68, which is often the case, Connor Gallagher at Crystal Palace 71 minutes, but I wouldn't be too worried about that one. That guy gets through 
an awful lot of running in game. So it was, I think it was just a breather. So I think he's still an absolutely fine player to buy. And finally, Aubameyang at Arsenal 72 minutes. I watched that Arsenal-Brighton game a couple of days ago. I thought Aubameyang had a really poor game. So it was no surprise to see him taken off early. And he's not in my thoughts at all when it comes to wildcard. So as always, game week eight this weekend when you're watching the games... Keep an eye on the clocks and if there's 59th minute substitutions, make sure to tag me in the tweets. A quick review of how my game week 7 went. I'm going to make it quick because it wasn't a good one. Like many people, it was a disappointing game week. It's always frustrating when you have a bad one going into the international break. You have to look at the disappointing points total for, for 14 days. 38 points. My rank dropped from 189k to 264k so it felt like a good time to hit the wild card so i hit the button straight away on the saturday of game week seven i think it was after the manchester united game because i had shaw greenwood and ronaldo in my team so i hit the button very firmly after that disappointing performance i made one transfer in game week seven i got rid of trent and I brought in Rüdiger. I knew I was probably going to wildcard in game week 8. So it was easy enough to sell Trent knowing I could get him back this game week. The good and the bad. The good is very short. Sanchez and Veltman got me clean sheets. They basically limited the damage. Could have been a lot worse because otherwise Salah would have been the only player who got me points. Salah got 13. That was it. The bad. Blanks for Shaw, Rüdiger, Greenwood, Benrama, Saar, Antonio, Sant Maximin and Ronaldo. A lot of those players have now disappeared from my squad. I'm going to talk through my wildcard watch list now. Then I'll do the Twitter questions. Then I'll come back to my latest wildcard draft. So to give you an idea of the player pool I'm considering this week on the wildcard. I know a lot of people are on a wildcard this week. And even if you're not, I think it's good to you know hear the players that, that we're interested in going into game week 8. So I'll start with goalkeepers. And it's probably... The hardest decision I'm going to have to make this week. I still think goalkeepers this season is pretty tricky. There's no standout best option. There's lots of viable options at cheap prices. So the goalkeepers on my wildcard watch list are Sanchez, who I've had all season. So I might end up just keeping him. Ramsdale at Arsenal, because I think he's underpriced. I think he should have been 5 million and he seems to be number one now. And Raya at Brentford who's had a very good start to the season as well so there's no Ederson on my watch list which means I'm probably not going to go there I was I had given him some thought but to me you know when I weigh it up I just think why go Ederson when I can go Diaz instead you know I rather a double up if I'm going to Man City defensive double up I prefer Cancelo and Diaz rather than one of the defenders and Ederson. I've always liked saving money on the goalkeeper position. So if you go for a, a Sanchez, a Ramsdale or a Rea, you know, you've got 1.5 million extra you can use in your squad. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be on a cheap goalkeeper. The question is which one? And I've been mulling it over. You know, when I hit the wild card last Saturday, straight away I got rid of Sanchez and I put in Ramsdale. But having you know, thought about it more, done a bit more research, I've watched the Arsenal-Brighton game, I've looked at the numbers for the season as well, and you know, statistically Brighton are the better defence this season, and obviously they were last season as well. You know, Brighton have been good defensively quite, for quite a while now, and I know Sanchez is a pretty boring pick, and there is a temptation to lose him on the wildcard. In particular, he's got Norwich next, Sanchez, but then he's got, I think he might have Liverpool and City very soon. So, But I'm trying to make the goalkeeper pick a long-term one and 
I'm leaning towards Sanchez now at the moment. I just think, you know, I got him game week one, viewed him as a season keeper. So why should I lose him on a wild card when he's done? He's done absolutely fine. You know, he's not an exciting goalkeeper, but at 4.5, 4.6, he does exactly what it says on the 10. So I think I'll end up keeping him. Ramsdale is very tempting, but I still think there's slight concerns there when Leno is in the background. All it takes is a bad performance from Ramsdale and we could see Leno come back in. So I really don't want to pick a goalkeeper on a wild card and then have to sell him at some point in the future. So for that reason, Sanchez to me probably suits my style of management. I'm boring, I'm safe. And to me, Sanchez is a safer pick than Ramsdale, even though there's a lot of temptation there because I think Ramsdale will get more saves. I think he probably will get more bonus as well. I'm not ruling him out just yet, but I am leaning towards Sanchez. Rea, I think is a very good option as well, but I just have a little bit more faith in Brighton defensively than I do Brentford. So I think all three are very good options. A few people mentioned Goeta as well at Crystal Palace. Don't like him as much as the others, but I still think he's viable. And I again, I wouldn't stop anyone from going for Ederson, but personally, I just prefer saving the cash and putting it elsewhere in the squad. So for me, my goalkeeper decision is going to be Sanchez, Ramsdale or Rea, and I'm currently leaning towards Robert Sanchez. Defenders on the wildcard watch list, Trent Alexander-Arnold for obvious reasons. Cancelo and Diaz may end up with both of them. Rudiger and Azpilicueta. Not sure yet whether I'll have one Chelsea defender or two. If I have one, probably Rudiger. If I have two, it will be Rudiger and Azpilicueta. I'm probably just going to avoid the rotation risks in the fullback positions or the wingback positions. Liveramento is probably going to be nailed on because he's 4.2 million and he's great just a nice enabler the other defenders in my thoughts white at arsenal and duffy at brighton midfielders salah rafinha they kind of explain themselves Shungman's son didn't really wasn't really in my thoughts when i built my first wildcard draft last saturday but you know been talking to a few people about son over the past few days and what i like about him is people who don't have a wildcard are probably going to find it hard to get to Son. He's got the Newcastle fixture this weekend and Tottenham have got a good run of fixtures on the horizon soon as well. So Son is in my thoughts at the moment. Doesn't look like he's going to make the cut though. Other midfielders in my thoughts. Mbwemo probably going to make it because quite simply he's out of position. He's playing for a pretty good side. So I'm probably not going to overthink it. He's a very good price. So I think Mbwemo will make it. Ben Rama is an interesting one because you know I've had him for most of the season he hasn't left my squad yet so that tells you that I'm considering keeping him I just think West Ham are a very good side Ben Ram is a very good player he's been very close to points in the games where he hasn't got them so I'm not against keeping Ben Rama but I think when it comes to closer to the weekend he probably will make way because I'm not overly keen on the Antonio Ben Rama double up but maybe he will survive Gallagher at Crystal Palace Saka at Arsenal and then the Man City guys Foden and Grealish so you know do we take a punt on these guys for the short term because City have such good fixtures in the next three or do we go for a more safe secure player who's going to get 90 minutes forwards in my thoughts Lukaku Antonio Ivan Tony, Jimenez and Calvert-Lewin so Calvert-Lewin's obviously dependent on fitness if he was past fit he would come into my thoughts on Friday so I will reveal my latest wildcard draft after I cover a couple of these questions from Twitter 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. First question is from Mike Martyr. Is Trent still worth the money, or is it better to spread the extra 1.5 million on a double double up of City and Chelsea defenders? So yeah, you know I built a few drafts that don't have Trent, and they do look really nice. You know if you go for two City defenders, two Chelsea defenders, and someone like Liveramento, you know it looks great because you've got that little bit of extra cash to spend, you know, in midfield and attack as well. But I just think if Trent Alexander-Arnold is fit for Watford this weekend. He will definitely be in my squad. It is tempting to go without him because I think it's Manchester United in game week nine. So there is a case to be made, you know, to, to hold off a little bit on him. But if he's anyway close to being fit for that Watford game, to me, that's a game where he could post a massive score. And, you know, Trent to me was a player you buy in game week one and you keep him all season. So just because he's out of my squad now doesn't mean I'm going to keep it that way. I'm looking to get him straight back in on the wild card. So hopefully Jurgen Klopp on Friday does give us a clear update on what his fitness is and if it's positive he will be on my team so I, I do still think he's worth the money you know when it comes to wildcard defenders I think you can go down the route of first of all you can I think you can go either three defenders or four defenders I think if you're going three you can go even one of each you know Trent one from Chelsea one from City you could just go Trent and double City and if you're going for four I think it's probably Trent double City and one Chelsea. So that's the way I'm thinking. So Trent, very likely to be in my squad if he's past fit for the Watford game. Question from Antec99. Do we keep or sell Antonio? I've seen quite a few people tinkering with their wildcard squads um, this week. With you know, I'm seeing a few drafts being posted on social media that don't have Antonio. And I just think it's probably a case of overthinking it. Yes, the fixtures are not as easy as they were a few weeks ago. But what more can you ask for? You know, Antonio has got nine attacking returns in six appearances. He's very cheap, you know, given what he's doing. He's playing like a premium asset. So I think Selnam is probably overthinking it. Like I said, West Ham, I think, are a very good side. They will score goals against anyone. And as long as Antonio is fit and healthy, I think he'll be in my squad for the foreseeable future. It hasn't even crossed my mind during my wildcard tinkers to take him out. Next three fixtures... Might look tricky on paper, but I don't think they're as tricky as the you know fixture ticker suggest. Everton, Tottenham and Aston Villa. To me, I think Antonio will get goals during those three fixtures. So for me, absolutely, Antonio is a keep until those hamstrings start singing. Question from Noah Style. Are Alonso or Chilwell viable and worth the potential upside? with a strongish bench like Livermento and White. So I mentioned Rüdiger and Azpilicueta on my wildcard watch list, but that doesn't mean I haven't ruled out someone like Alonso or Chilwell or even Reese James. You've got that little devil on my shoulder saying, you know, Chilwell, if he plays, he can get 20 pointers in any given game week. The same with, with Alonso. So I don't think I'm going to do it, um, but I'm sure... You know, someone like Chilwell will probably be, probably appear in one or two of my drafts over the course of this week. And what Noah says here, I think it is viable because if you're 
when we have strong benches, you know, players like Liveramento and White, you can take a take a chance on a rotation risk player. Now you don't want to have too many of them. You don't want to have a Chilwell in defence. Maybe you know players like Jota, uh, Man City midfielders in in your in your midfield because you you don't want to have three or four rotation risks. But if you got one or two, I think it's fine when we have good bench options like Liveramento and White. I think even Shane Duffy can be thrown in there as well. So that's one of the reasons my my first couple of wildcard drafts were were four at the back. You know, four big defenders, which means you can have just one cheap you know, defensive bench option like Liveramento. And as game week eight gets closer, I like the idea more of having just three big defenders and then two good cheap defenders because I think it makes your overall squad stronger. So you can have, for example, Trent, Cancelo, Rudiger as your back three. Then you can have Liveramento and White on the bench. And if you've got Liveramento and White on the bench, then you can throw in a few punts into your team. You could even go Chilwell instead of Rudiger. If Chilwell doesn't play, he's very unlikely to get a cameo from the bench. Then you've got your Liveramentos and your Whites to come in. So I like having a bench of Liveramento and White, for example, instead of having a 4.5 million forward on the bench who's never going to play or someone like Brownhill who's going to get you two points. You know what? I always think of defenders, when the game starts, they start on six points until they concede. Um, So yeah, I like, I think two cheap defenders is much better for the bench because it does give you that squad depth which we've we've needed this season and we're going to continue to need it with COVID with rotation from managers like Pep and Tuchel so yeah I'm leaning towards now having maybe three expensive defenders and then the two cheap guys on the bench so I'm probably going to have a 3-4-3 formation but I do think players like Chilwell and Alonso are viable I think Chilwell is the way I would lean now if I was taking a punt on one of the Chelsea left wing backs question from Partho do you think Vardy is a better option than Lukaku now? My initial answer is no, but I think I'm guilty like everyone else, or not everyone else, most other people this season of overlooking Vardy, mainly because Leicester haven't been great this season. And I find it quite hard to trust, you know, spending 10 plus million on a Leicester asset when the team haven't been performing well. You know, they were 2 0 up against Crystal Palace. But it was two mistakes in the Crystal Palace defence. Crystal Palace should have won that game comfortably, really. You know, they outplayed Leicester. Leicester were lucky to get the points. I think Vardy I think Vardy only had ten touches in the game, something like that. I think after twenty minutes he only had one touch. But again, Vardy doesn't need many chances to score as we've seen in that Crystal Palace fixture. So, you know, Vardy's not on my watch list. He probably should be, given what he's done, but I still prefer Lukaku. I still prefer Ronaldo. So Vardy just doesn't have a spot in my thoughts for the time being. You know, if he continues to keep scoring, we're all probably going to be forced to go there at some point. But again, with Leicester, I don't love the fixtures. They're a bit mixed for the next five. And Lukaku has excellent fixtures. So I think it's still, for me, it's still an easy choice. I still prefer Lukaku. You know, I've got more faith in Chelsea as an outfit than I do over Leicester. So yeah, Vardy, hopefully he just goes quiet it's it's getting to a stage now where he, he's pretty annoying because a lot of managers have him you know in particular managers who maybe don't take the game as seriously as people like me and you do so yeah hopefully he stops scoring so we can start benefiting from the other strikers question from tommy brennan with pep roulettes are ederson and diaz a good man city defensive double up so probably covered that already yes i think it's viable but when it comes to manchester city double defense i prefer Diaz, Cancelo, and then go for a cheap goalkeeper, 
and spend the savings elsewhere in your squad. But certainly, if you want to avoid the rotation, if you think Cancelo is going to get some rotation over the next couple of game weeks, then maybe Ederson and Diaz will be the way to go. So yeah, I expect to see Ederson in a lot of wildcard squads and it you know it could be the way to go. Question from Jaideep. Is Kevin De Bruyne being overlooked as a viable premium asset? I don't think so. I understand the temptation for people to go there this week on a wildcard in particular because Man City have the three very nice fixtures. But for me, I watched the Man City-Liverpool game a couple of days ago, had it recorded, and to me, De Bruyne looked really sluggish. He didn't look fit. So straight away, that's a, a red flag for me because... You know, he may not start all three of these nice fixtures. I just think when you've got Salas, when you've got Lukaku's, I don't have much interest in Kevin De Bruyne. I would even prefer Manny, I think, over De Bruyne at the moment. So to me, until he's looking 100% sharp, I'm not interested. Uh, you know, I prefer the cheaper Man City midfielders, which brings me to Sammy's question, Foden or Grealish? So I've got both of them on the watch list and I am very tempted to go you know, take, you know, buy a ticket for Pep's lottery for the next three fixtures. Because if you go for a Foden or a Grealish, it's quite easy then to downgrade to, you know, someone at 6.57 million in a couple of game weeks' time. There's plenty of options there. Um, and I just think when the fixtures are so good, I really do like the idea of getting triple City and hopefully it pays off. The question then is, do you go Foden or do you go Grealish or do you go for one of the others? But I think these two are the best options. Grealish gets the most game time. But I think Foden's the more exciting option. Uh, he was very, very good in that Liverpool game. Got on the score sheet and could have had more in the game. So I think if I, if I do end up buying a ticket to the lottery on Friday, I think it will be Foden. I think Grealish is kind of, he hasn't done enough. He's a good player, but is he a good FPL asset? I'm still not convinced. He's not overly clinical. So to me, he's someone who plays the pass to someone who gets the assist. So he's kind of the, the third player in the move a lot of times. So I just think Foden's more direct and I have more faith in Foden to get goals than I do Grealish. So I'm leaning towards Foden if I take a punt on a Man City midfielder. But maybe I won't. Maybe I'll just stick to a, a more secure 90-minute player. Question from TJ. What's the best front three on a wild card? For flexibility to have options in the near term, TJ is thinking Lukaku, Jimenez, Tony, because Jimenez can easily switch to Calvert-Lewin or Antonio based on form. So for me, I think the best three on a wildcard is Lukaku, as long as he is past fit for the weekend because he's got the fixtures, he's a great captaincy option. I think Antonio should be kept. And then I would probably put Tony as my third option. And this, this is quite similar to what TJ said in terms of price points. You've got your expensive Lukaku. TJ went for Jimenez, who's a similar price to Antonio. And then you've got Tony, who's a little bit cheaper. So I like the kind of three-tiered strike force because it leaves you flexible. You know, Lukaku could become Ronaldo or Vardy. Jimenez can become Calvert-Lewin, Antonio, Bamford. And then Tony can go to you know, one of the cheaper strikers, Armstrong, you know, Huang if he keeps doing it. So I like the three kind of different price points up front at the moment. So I think best three is Lukaku, Antonio and Tony. Uh, I do think Jimenez is a very good option as well though. Question from Blair. Now that Huang seems to have secured a starting spot alongside Jimenez, is he a good placeholder for a couple of weeks before turning to Tony in game week 10? Or do you just go Tony from the outset game week 8 from a fellow wildcarder. So I'm seeing a lot of teams with Huang in there this week, particularly wildcarders, and I don't love it. 
First of all, I don't love his price because if you don't leave any cash in the bank, you know, he's only about 5.6 million. It's quite hard to upgrade unless you leave some cash in the bank. And I think with a player like Tony, even though he plays Chelsea this week, I think we just get him right away and it saves us a transfer in the future because we're going to want Tony in a couple of weeks anyway when Brentford's fixtures really improve. And Tony can easily get something against Chelsea anyway, so I don't mind going there. I'm not convinced Huang is going to start week in, week out just yet. I think it's a little bit too early to go there. So I'm going to avoid and just see what happens. And I'll just come back to him in a couple of weeks' time if he is starting week in, week out. Even if he starts week in, week out, you know, I'm not convinced he's going to get 90 minutes. He could be a 60 to 70 minute man if Wolves are not winning the game. So yeah, I'm not, you know, Wang's not on my watch list. He's not going to be in my wildcard squad. But good luck to those of you who get him because he does look great and he does seem to have struck up a good partnership with Jimenez. So could be a gem this season but for me it's just a little bit early to go there so I'm happy to hold off see if he continues to start continues to get goals and I'll go there in a couple of weeks time so Tony is much more likely to be in my squad than Huang final question from FPL Bugle who are the best game week 8 one week punts for those wildcarding in game week 9 so yeah I think game week 9 is a pretty good time to wildcard as well particularly with a lot of question marks over players now during this international break. If you're on the fence about wildcarding game week eight, and if you haven't wildcarded yet, you know you can look at game week nine as an alternative. If you are doing that, I think a Manchester City attacker against Burnley is a good one week punt. You can go for any of them really and just hope they start. Brighton play Norwich, so someone like Trossard or Mopai for one week, absolutely fine. And Tottenham play Newcastle, so I like Son or Kane also as a one week punt. Moving on now to my current wildcard draft I haven't done too much tinkering over the break I always wait until kind of the second half of the second week of the break Because so much is up in the air Players playing internationals, picking up knocks and you know, Especially with Covid and, and players coming back late and stuff like that we, we really can't lock in our teams until Friday So I haven't done too much yet This is what it currently looks like Goalkeepers, Sanchez and Foster Defenders, Trent if he's fit, Cancelo, Azpilicueta. So those are my three big defenders at the moment. Trent, Cancelo, Aspi. And Aspi's in there because Rudiger has the flag. I think if, if Rudiger was healthy, he'd probably go in instead of Azpilicueta. Although it's a 50-50 call on those two. And maybe I end up on Azpilicueta because he does have more attack and threat. And then I've got the two cheap guys for the bench. White at Arsenal and Liveramento at Southampton. And what I like about going... I don't like the idea of going... Sanchez and Duffy or Ramsdale and White you know I like having one Brighton one Arsenal so that plays into my thinking with the goalkeeper as well I think Sanchez and White is much safer because Sanchez and White are more nailed on than Ramsdale and Duffy for example so that's what has me leaning towards Sanchez and White as well as the combo midfield Salah stays Rafinha comes back in I saw him a couple of weeks ago he's one of the first names coming back in I don't care if he misses game week 8 because of his travel, I'll just bench him and I'll have him for the good fixtures after. Mbumo at Brentford is in and he's probably going to stay in. Just again, out of position, very cheap, good team, not one to overthink. And then the fourth midfield position is the one that will probably change quite a few times this week. Currently it's on Foden. I haven't ruled out keeping Ben Rama 
and there's a couple of options, other options there as well. Maybe Son finds his way in there, but I would have to cut a few corners elsewhere. And then Brownhill will probably stay just as a 4.4 third bench. You know, most weeks it'll be White, Leveramento, first and second sub, and then Brownhill third sub. And then up front, Lukaku will be there as long as he's healthy. Antonio will stay. And the third striker spot could change as well. I've got Tony at the moment, but I haven't ruled out Jimenez or Calvert-Lewin if he's fit. But most likely Tony will go in. I'll go for the Brentford double-up, which is not ideal against Chelsea this week, but long-term, I think Mbumo and Tony as a double-up are going to be in a lot of teams in the near future, and they will offer good value this season. So that gives you an insight into what I'm thinking. I mean, most wildcard teams you look at this week are pretty similar anyway, so you're probably not going to see too many surprises in mine come the weekend the biggest surprise you'll probably see is whether I go sun or not and at the moment I'm leaning towards no because I just think 10 million it's quite hard to fit him in I probably have to lose two or three players that I really like so for that reason sun probably won't make it captaincy for game week eight I think it's an easy one this week I think we go Salah against Watford Watford just sacked their manager they've got Ranieri Salah on another level as I mentioned six goals four assists Averaging 10 points per game. And I've got very fond memories. One of my favourite ever St. Patrick's Days was in a pub in Glasgow when Salah was playing against Watford. We had him captain. I think he scored four times and got an assist. I think he might have got 26 points. Um, So huge, huge returns. So hopefully he can do something similar again against Watford. The other options, Lukaku is away to Brentford, but the flag is a slight concern. Ronaldo is away to Leicester which I think is quite a good fixture Leicester have conceded the most shots in the box in the league this season so I think if you've still got Ronaldo I think he's a viable captaincy option even though he frustrated us the last couple of game weeks Manchester City play Burnley as well at home so if you if you fancy a differential and you fancy a risky captain pick I think a Manchester City ass it doesn't have to be an attacker someone like Concello even could be a good captain against Burnley but don't blame me when it blows up in your face. I think Salah is the way to go this week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. It's good to have FPL back this weekend. Please leave a review wherever you're listening and make sure to hit the subscribe button for Friday's episode. If you'd like to support me as a full-time fantasy manager, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general where you'll get extra content and podcasts every week of the season. Have a great week and I will talk to you again on Friday. The Athletic.